Hi, if I could take a moment of your time before we start. If you've enjoyed previous episodes or if you enjoy this episode, if you could subscribe on the platform that you listen to, that would be really helpful. It helps us get more guests and push the podcast forward. Thanks. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Okay, I have two new obsessions that I need to share with you. Impress No Glue Press-On Mannies and Impress Press-On Falsies Lashes. Trust me, these are getting ready game changers. Both require no glue, so there is no damage to your natural nails and lashes, no mess, and no annoying dry times. Just one step and you're done. Boom. Instant glam. Visit impressbeauty.com slash press on and use code press on 25 at checkout for 25% off impress manicure and press on falsies. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Car Chat Podcast. And with me today via the joys of Zoom, I have Scott Mansell. Hello. Hi, Sam. How are you doing? Very good. Very good. It was, uh, it was a bit of a shame to not see you in person. We had planned that, but, you know, this is life nowadays. But um, Yeah, it's a shame. I was itching to uh, to come and, uh, and and see you and say hello and actually have an excuse to get out of my house or my <laughs> office. But, uh, but there you go. We're confined here for the moment, unfortunately. Yeah, it is, it is, it is what it is. I was having a look back and the first time you were on the podcast in March 2019. You were one of the first people I had on the podcast, actually, which was a a while ago, pre-pandemic and all of that sort of stuff. And at the time, you'd been putting some videos on YouTube, but you weren't that set in the idea. And you were doing a lot of driver training and stuff like that. And I believe in the interim... One of those has massively taken off and I imagine you're still, I don't know what's, what's been going on. Yeah, so uh, 2019 was uh, a big year for me in terms of, of, of the coaching that I did. Um, I personally trained 120 drivers that year. Wow. Different drivers. Um, and I worked it out, that was uh, 26,000 miles <laughs> in the same car. On the, on the same track. On the same track. <laughs> on the same track. And, uh, you know, what it did was really give me some deep insights to, to drivers, what their blockages are, um, yeah. because the drivers were the only variable. Um, as I probably mentioned before, but I really got deep into it. You know, I was doing 10 days down there a month all the way through the year. Um, it was, I mean, really, really intense. You know what it's like um, being in uh, a race car or in a car on track, the level of of, um, concentration it takes. 
And when you're coaching, the the concentration level is the same, if not more, because you're feeling the car, you're explaining the concepts to the drivers. And during those training days, it's not like we're doing 15 minute sessions and then stopping for 45 minutes. We're on the track all the time. Um, one of the, the, the kind of values of those days is that we spend, you know, we do 200 miles pretty much. So, I, you know, I did so, so many miles and it really opened my eyes to what the, the blockages were um, with most club or amateur level racing drivers. And then, yeah, from there, obviously, we've had uh, we had some big issues last year. And as all the circuits closed down... The on-track training had to stop, which was um, which was wor- worrying because you know we'd just built up a load yeah. of momentum. I uh, during 2019, I trained up two really good coaches with my um, training philosophy and and the framework that we use for for our training. Things were going so well in the first quarter of 2020. Uh, we'd done, can't remember how many. We were doing 20 days a month, um, which was crazy. Wow. So we, we were on to do more than you know 200 days. Uh, in 2020 with with bookings and then um that all kind of came to a, a stop fairly quickly uh we moved quite fast we put you know perspex screens down the middle of the cars so that they were um a, as safe as they possibly could while everyone was figuring out yeah. what to do but unfortunately we, we um we obviously had to stop those uh the kind of uh, personal training sessions yeah so that was that was uh, a difficult moment but we um, we shifted very quickly uh, toward the end of 2019. We'd started, I, I partnered with a guy in, in Canada called Mike on a sim training business, uh, taking the basic principles of real world training and applying them to, to sim racing, to the larger kind of market of sim racing, which has been very interesting. Now, I, I did that personally or from, from a business point of view to uh, diversify a little bit to protect ourselves in case there was ever a recession and maybe motorsport, on-track motorsport took, took a hit. Um, but then, you know, we just got going um, in terms of building out um, a training program for the sim racing. And then the pandemic came and everybody bought a simulator Um <laughs> And so that's been, you know, that's grown very quickly. Um, we're training, you know, three or four hundred drivers a month. Three or four hundred drivers a month. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's really. And we've got a number of different products there, and we're expanding into different platforms and things like that. We've got a bit, we've got a reasonable sized team there, and some great coaches um, that are much better sim racers than than myself. Wow. And then, yeah, you mentioned you mentioned YouTube when the revenue from the on track training slowed down. I decided to broaden the content on our YouTube channel and it's been absolutely crazy, to be honest with you. We started 2020 uh, with like 103,000 subscribers, I think. Yeah. And we ended it with 410. <laughs> I don't know what it was. Yeah, it's, it's like just absolutely Cause I was more than 300,000. So in those nine months, basically, you, you can see them if you look at my analytics, it's like it's flat, 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 flat. And then in March... When I changed yeah. and and took some uh, you know so, took some training and some consultancy on how to build a YouTube channel, it just goes bump like this, and it's and it's grown ever since. It's it's crazy. So um, that's interesting. And I always saw the YouTube channel as being uh, a vehicle for pushing the on track training, yeah. which it is. You know, you know, I, I don't know if your listeners know, but I, at the beginning of our YouTube channel, my whole 
aim was to give value to amateur racing drivers, mm. to club racing drivers. So we've got some really hi- highly valuable content, like how to trail brake, understanding weight transfer, all of these different aspects, you, techniques that you will need to understand to become a fast racing driver. But to be honest with you, they're pretty dry. They're lectures, they're seminars. And then I decided to take the position with the YouTube channel to make content that was interesting to the same type of people, but also a broader audience of sim racers and motorsport enthusiasts. And, um, and that's where it just kind of exploded. No, it's, I've been, I've been tracking it. Cause I think when we were, when we first met up, I don't know, you might, might've had like, I'm just guessing maybe 20, 20 to 50,000 subscribers or something at the beginning of 2019, something yeah, like probably. that. And it was all seeming like you were very much focused on the, well, it sounds like you've just gone, you've just gone and just gone like pff, into loads of different stuff since I've seen you. Let's, let's wind back and let's di- dissect some, some of these things. You started having a team. Who are the, who are the other coaches? I'm, I don't know whether I know them or not. For your... Um, and Andrew Bentley on-track. and Joe Crook for the on-track uh, driver training. I've worked with those guys for both of them for over a decade. Uh, really, really great coaches. And, you know, what I, what I began to understand... Uh, in 2019 was that 80 or 90% of the problems that all of the drivers have are the same. And it's like, first of all, their their kind of foundational technique isn't quite right. And so when they don't have that smooth, fluid technique, they don't have a very good base to build upon to try and find the limit of a car. So they would be, they'd be trying to push a car harder um, with this kind of poor foundation of technique, this poor base. Mm. And then they would feel very uncomfortable on the limit because the car wouldn't be very friendly to drive. Um, and so it's, it's, it was really, really interesting for me to sit next to so many different drivers yeah. and have so much, like, I felt privileged actually to have so much kind of information coming at me. It really changed how I, how I train, you know, because it, uh, for the decade before, you know, probably 15 years ago now, where, where I do the typical training of, you know, being at Donington or Brands Hatch and Snetterton, yeah. um, you don't get enough track time. And also you're jumping in different cars with different drivers um, in different conditions with loads of traffic on the circuit. You just don't get that, like, consistency and the kind of back-to-back comparison that we would get during our training days. So, um, yeah, I learned a lot there. And it's been really good, actually, to get another four eyes on on the program because they've those guys have really helped take it to an, another level. You know, I've taken it a good step forwards, but having other coaches kind of bring in some of their own style and their own understanding into it has really kind of helped refine it even more. Yeah, I can imagine, like, just removing all of those, like you said, inconsistencies, with car, track, day, whatever, and you've just got the only thing you've changed is the driver. Everything else is the same. And then sitting in with so many people over quite a short period of time, whereas I imagine previously you're not necessarily every day or that that concentration at least at one place, just pulling in what everyone does. The so what you said, most people. If I think last time I said it, what would be the sort of you know the the, the major things that most people get wrong or everyone applies and i think i'm trying to think what it was last time and i imagine it's probably similar one was vision that's a classic i can't remember i can't remember what else it was but would you say your ethos into how you start with someone has changed in that period of time or you've just refined certain bits of the process 
Yeah, it's just been tweaked. I mean, the the main philosophy is is still the same. I say, essentially, um, if you're not feeling comfortable with the car on the limit with it sliding around, it isn't because of what you're feeling, or it, it's because of the the the, the pre work that you're doing. It's, it's how you're bringing the car into the corner. It's the body language of the car, and yes, the main things are vision and how you load the car up when you turn it into the corner and your trail braking. But essentially what all that is doing is making the car more or less fluid. You'll make uh, Most drivers will make a car work too hard. The pitch will be changing inconsistently as they enter a corner. They'll be a bit inconsistent with where they turn in um, and how they turn in. And so what that then leads to is the, the weight and the grip of the car changing as they're entering a corner, which means that it's inconsistent, which means that the the driver is getting poor quality feedback from the mm. car that they then it's not consistent. And so how can they then try and carry a little bit more speed into the corner and expect just to brush into the limit when everything there's too many moving parts. Yeah, yeah. And so the vision, the steering, the trail braking, this foundation, this base of technique all lead to the car being consistent and fluid or consistently fluid. Once you get there, and that's why we do the majority of our, our, the first work on our training programs below the limit, because we need to get this, this fluid feeling in the car. Once you have that, then you can just move that technique up mm. and up again. And, and then when you do move into the limit, you're breathing into the limit in a really smooth and friendly way. And that means that the car slides in a nice way, rather than just spiking over the limit randomly and you having to react and go, no, shit like what's what's just happened like there's two you know i don't know why that why that the car just slid um and then that knocks your confidence and you have to drop everything down again yeah that i mean that that sounds sounds absolutely bang on that's <laughs> i've definitely I done, try, both, yeah, no, I've done both, both many thousands of miles so i understand it <laughs> um I, i've definitely done both of those things what like one you're just sort of getting around and cars all over the place and you're like oh okay, maybe I could go a bit faster, but it doesn't necessarily feel like it or someone else is going faster. It doesn't feel like it. And then I think probably after coming to see you and, you know, doing all the things, it's that concept of just slowly getting the car in working out, essentially becoming a robot, doing exactly the same thing in each corner every time, apart from the one thing you want to change. And then slowly, like you said, just slowly coming up to the limit. And I think that was a huge change in how, scary i found some cars just because if you do that step change it's only a little bit more and it's nothing crazy happens like you're like you're pushing the front the front might slide pushing the back the back might come out but that's and that's it like it's not exactly it's not, scary it's not as um heroic as one might think if you're having to be brave then uh, then there's a problem you should be <laughs> predicting what the car's going to be doing no, I'm not a I'm not a brave driver, but I will, you know, push the car to its limits, but I'll do it step by step. And maybe my steps are a little bit faster than other drivers because I have experience in in kind of how big these steps can be until I find the limit and I'll get there quicker. Mm. But the process is the same for all drivers, you know, that you have to have this foundation, you have to then move yourself toward the limit, and then once you get to the limit, you have to understand where the car 
um, is, you know, imagine the phases of the corner, the entry, the apex, the exit. What's the car? How's the car behaving um, during all these phases? And which end of the car is limiting you? Is it the front? Is it the rear? Okay, and now what do I need to do to to move the grip in this phase of the corner to either end of the car until we have that perfect balance? Yeah, I think I, I got so much out of coming to do a day with you. It, we did it at Bruntingthorpe. Now, can you still use Bruntingthorpe? No, Bruntingthorpe has closed to people like myself and and Rob Wilson, who also um, did some work there. Um, So we found uh, another circuit and we're working from that. Actually, it's it's more of a a proper track um, than than Bruntingthorpe. If you don't know, Bruntingthorpe was uh, was a kind of 50% track, 50% airfield, which kind of did have its positives because we could form whatever types of corners we wanted. And that meant that we could describe different techniques Mm. quite easily. But um, you know, as you know, Sam, part of it was kind of cones on on uh, on a landing strip, and so that removes it slightly from from a proper track. Now, with our new circuit, it's a proper proper circuit. Um, you know, with white lines and everything like that, and um, it works very very well. Where are you now? Sorry, I'm. We're at Presswold Hall near Loughborough. Okay. Yeah. 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 It's, again, it's an old it's an old airfield, but it's 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 formed as a proper track. And what is it normally? It obviously, it's a, it's a track. Uh, they they run, um, you know, like those um, those driving experiences from there, where you can drive okay. a Ferrari for forty nine pounds or whatever. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Or you can drive an MX five and learn yeah. absolutely everything. Yeah, we we have to charge forty nine pounds fifty, but there you go. <laughs> <laughs> no, it sounds like that is that is cu- coming along. I was doing amazingly, and I. I thoroughly enjoyed our, our session and i think we'll probably have to do another one at some point i'm, I'm definitely yeah it's keen. great i, I mean we get such good feedback people have you know i don't sound too salesy but people <laughs> have massive massive breakthroughs um even drivers that have been racing for for like a decade because test day or a track day just isn't the right learning environment um we've taken the approach with with my training programs that other sports take where you break down um, all the techniques into into the simplest form and then and then layer them up and in motorsport we don't tend to do that I think I mentioned this lap time last time we just try to go out and do everything all at once yeah. while there's another 30 cars on the track and it just it, it really slows down your learning um, and so when you break those things down and don't have all the other distractions and have um, a great coach sat next to you just gently pushing you in the right direction it it works really well we we actually we don't just tell the drivers what to do we try and get them to think through what's going on because the goal of our days is that when you leave you can go and work through these same processes and figure it out yourself when you're going on your your next test day um rather than needing to have a coach there to say oh you need to break five meters later or you know you should be able to figure that out yourself and, and understand how to get there so that's the main goal of what we do yeah, absolutely. I think that's that was something I took away from our session. And I've been, I I think I've got quicker without being on track since, like over the last year, I haven't really been on track very much. But my last day in the Radical, for example, I was pushing, I, I was a lot, I was quicker than the time before, having not been in the car for like a year but have been sort of, I think I've been trying to work on, like you said, the the understanding level and whether that's 
in any car I get to drive or on a sim and pushing whether you know all of the things and just trying to elevate what I know about how you it might be quicker yeah rather than yeah. just being told rather than just being told on that corner this is what you need to do your your entrance is wrong or whatever you're facing the wrong direction yada 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 you pulled the handbrake shouldn't do that all of these things <laughs> that like i mean you you can find time by kind of being told what to do but you will never get to the pace you'll always be in my in, in kind of our experience you'll always be a percent or two off the ultimate pace because conditions change tires go off fuel comes out of the car whatever it might be um and so it's not a static environment there's always things changing and so you have to um first of all feel what's going on and then you have to be able to manipulate um and move the grip around through changing your technique and going back to what, what you just mentioned it it's it, driving a car quickly is a challenge because we all get a surge of adrenaline when we're out there. And as soon as that happens, we lose the finesse in our in our driving style. And so you need to be able to push, but also keep everything nice and smooth. And it's, it's a very difficult thing to have the finesse, but also push as hard as you can go. <laughs> yeah, I think most people, I think a lot of people, the, the harder you push, the more frantic you get. And therefore... That's not, that's not, you're losing that ultimate level, aren't you? Yeah. I, I don't know if I mentioned it last time, but we, we had a couple of psychologists coming through the, the programs. Now they weren't, they weren't um, racist, but I just wanted to get some feedback on how we were, we were teaching and, mm. and the, the, the processes that we were trying to embed in our drivers. And they said that the, the problem is, is when you push somebody and they begin to go into fight or flight, the brain's priorities become something different. The brain's priorities become protection, you know, saving you. And so rather than having that kind of conscious thought where you can rashly say, okay, so I was going into that corner and it was oversteering and so I need to try and give the rear a bit more grip going through this process, all of a sudden it comes, you know, get the thing slowed down or, or be quite yeah. aggressive with it. You know, you're ready to run. And so as soon as that moment happens, all of the, the fluidity disappears. And so it's this balancing act where you need to push yourself hard and be comfortable, um, which then allows you to have the finesse. So it's more about the kind of how comfortable or, or acclimatized to the new speed the driver is. If they feel uncomfortable mentally, then they're going to be harsher with their inputs. And so we have to build them up in stages where, you know, part of the problem is the drivers don't believe the car can go around the corner that quickly they're you know in their brains they're kind of they've got this ceiling of yeah. i don't know 1.2 g lateral load yeah. and actually it'll pull 1.3 g and we have to get them there and get them comfortable and as soon as that happens they can consciously think about what they're doing and then everything kind of comes together but until they get to that point they might be a little bit harsh with with all of their inputs yeah i've definitely experienced that where someone will say someone says or oh, you're you know, you're at a certain track in a certain car and someone else is going 10% faster or five miles an hour faster around the corner. And you're like, yeah, but if I go five miles an hour faster around that corner, I'm going to hit a wall. So yeah, <laughs> that, and that's not the mindset you want. That's not a mindset that's going to get you five miles an hour faster and your car may not be able to go five miles an hour faster. <laughs> but, no, it may not. But if it's the same car, it can likely go four miles an hour faster. Exactly, the, yeah. the, the, the diff- we have lots of drivers say, oh, wow, you know, someone's come past me and, and I, their car looks like it's on rails. So it's got more <laughs> grip than mine. Um, and what they 
don't always realize is that the limit is it's not a it's not a static line it's actually a band and and how you put your inputs into the car drastically changes how much grip it's got and so once you have that fluidity the limit raises up a little bit and you can travel through the corner a bit quicker. Now, of course, there may be some difference in, in tyre wear or setup or things like that, but I would say most of the time the difference is in driving technique. Yeah, not your typical racing car driver excuses. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So amongst all this, you've been training a lot of people and then you started a sim training business. Um, and is that specifically for, is that, I imagine that's a bit of a mix. Is it for people to get faster at Sims? And then there's also a bunch of people that would like to use Sims to help their on track driving. And do you do both? Yes, we do. Um, so the, the main course that we have at the moment is based on, um, the program that, that we did our pure pace mm. program um it's the kind of the fundamentals of driving making sure your vision's right understanding how to um drive a fluid car how to how to move the grip around when you need to how to trail brake properly um and it, i mean because it's the fundamentals because it's the core um of driving both real world and only sim drivers use it as well so it's a, it's a mix of both to be honest and the sims are getting so good nowadays that the you know the techniques transfer across most of the techniques at least transfer across of course in some of the sims there are some little tweaks that you can do um to be a bit quicker that are slightly unusual or different to the real world but these things don't work unless you already have the fundamental core technique okay. Um, which most sim racers don't have. So you need to get that right. And then, you know, if it's a case of doing something strange with your downshift or whatever that might be um, in each particular platform, then um, then so be it. But you need to have this core um, technique first. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've always been amazed when I you know, play like GT Sport or something and you look at the, the fastest lap time. And the fastest lap time is always like... It's like 10 seconds a lap faster or something. It's like, <laughs> I just don't understand. And then you watch you'd back some of the You'd be much better videos. though, Sam, in, in, in a proper, you know, a proper sim. Um, yeah. You'd find it much more intuitive. And, you know, something like GT Sport, the technique is very different to um, to what you would have experienced in the real world. Whereas if you get into iRacing or ACC, Assetto mm. Corsa, um, the physics are a lot more realistic, and so that gap would be much, much closer. Still, like it's difficult to get up there with yeah, the yeah. really quick guys because they do just spend so much time practicing. But you know, for me, I use the sim to train for the real world, and so when I do races, I'll race with real world drivers as well, and I won't do any of the kind of sim specific techniques um, because I don't want to form a habit around. Okay. Me. Like for example, just rapidly pulling the left paddle. <laughs> yeah, it depends on the it depends on the platform. Like in iRacing, that doesn't work. In you know, F, we have an F one twenty twenty course. That is a specific thing that works really well in that game. Um, in iRacing, you can leave a little bit of throttle on when you're when you're entering the corner, and it and it actually gives the rear a bit more grip, which is slightly strange. Um, there's a few bits, but it is like it, I'd say it's only like a, a percent or two. It's not it's much. A small, um, small bit at the end. Yeah, it's one of the things that we do. We we have like a, a club um, called the, the Sim Racing Academy, where we we have drivers in there who will race with each other. Um, mm. 
so they're not having to go into public races all the time and there's a you know there's a, a respect there they're not all going to crash into each other and the sim's great because you can do other other things that you can't do in the real world so for example during our course during the um we have diff- we have four different weeks so we start with vision week and then we have um trail breaking week steering week and and grip manipulation week during the trail breaking week for example we get the drivers just to use an oval um, in the game because you get massive repetition on the same corner over and over and over again. The entry of the corner is really long, so you have plenty of time to play with the brake pressure and therefore feel the car move around. And you have to have like a really finesse feel on it, but you just get to do it over and over and over again, so they're drills. So it's it's actually great for training um, in that respect because – you, you know it's very difficult to do that in the real world um and uh and so yeah you can you can learn pretty quick no it's it's seems good you i was looking through some of your youtube videos um that you've done recently and you got you had one which was you had the fastest sim racer in the world i can't remember what his name is um versus uh average joe who yeah. is not called joe um, <laughs> average callum <laughs> <laughs> average callum um, and you had one of them on a very high-end sim setup and one yeah. on like a the cheapest-ish um, or a cheaper setup. And I, I didn't actually watch. I just I just saw that you'd, you'd done it. And I yeah, thought, we did. So J- James, um, James Baldwin uh, won the world's fastest gaming competition 2019. Um, super quick uh, on the sim. Super quick in the real world. So James uh, drove in British GT for Jensen Button's uh, McLaren team this year. Yeah. They won the first race out. Which yeah, they were crazy. very quick. <laughs> <laughs> so James jumped in this McLaren. I spoke with him uh, like the week before, two weeks before they did the first round at Alton. And he was like, man, like we're not doing any testing. I'm just jumping in the car and going like, and I was like, Bloody hell, James! Like this is at Alton Park in a GT3. It's not the you know it's not the <laughs> easiest challenge. There's no runoff. It's a really it's a great track, but it's like it's difficult for you. He'd never been there in his life, obviously. Wow! In the real world, and uh, I think they qualified second. I can't remember, but they they won. <laughs> so yeah. I mean, he did a great job. Obviously, he'd done millions of laps there in the sim, but that shows you kind of how they can transfer. And James is a great sim driver. He, um. He, he 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 can figure out and adapt to a car or a track or tires going off. Yeah. Whereas some of the sim drivers, the issue is is that they 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 have the opportunity for so much repetition and doing so many laps because they might spend eight hours a day yeah. training that they they get there just through laps laps laps. So then when you put them in a real car and they don't get that opportunity, they might only get 30 minutes because they've got to share the car with someone yeah. else in practice. They they struggle, but James can get up to speed really quick. So massive respect for him. Uh, so we did this video, as you were mentioning, where, I mean, I've got a, sorry, I've got a, um, I don't know, but seven or eight grand rig here, um, direct drive wheel, nice, really nice pedals and, and so yeah. on, VR. And then we bought a 200 quid, uh, rig from from Facebook Marketplace, <laughs> and it—I mean, the steering wheel's really, really bad. You can feel like the notches in the in nice. the gears and the. And we put, yeah, we put Callum, who's actually pretty good, to be honest with you. He does he does a bit of sim racing, but you know, just at an amateur level, in the expensive one, and James in the in the two hundred quid. It's still a you know still a yeah 
yeah, it's a beginner's sim. Um, and he was still three seconds faster. It <laughs> 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 was a good, good challenge. Um, but yeah, I, it's crazy that they, 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 they use their visual information so much more than real world drivers. So the steering wheel doesn't matter that much to them. You know, yeah, we yeah. would get in the sim and if we're not, if we've not got a quality steering wheel and we can't feel the car load up and we can't feel it understeer or whatever, um, then we struggle. I struggle. Um, but they, the sim racers use the visual and audio so much more. They can rely on that. Um, so they're okay with a, with a cheaper steering wheel. Yeah, yeah, I've been getting my excuses in forever playing whatever sim game and just spinning all the time. Like, well, I would not spend this in real life. You're like, yeah, but you're not in real life now, so you've got to learn how to do this. But there's definitely, I think, levels of being able to... I've, I've used a wheel where you can feel more and I've used a wheel where you can feel less. And those bits where you're on the edge on a game that's like a bit snappy, it is. it does make quite a big difference. Yeah, yeah, I mean, for... For us, for, for for normal people, I think, who might spend, I don't know, a couple of hours a week in the sim, spending the money on a wheel is, is definitely worth it because you just you, you don't have to learn through kind of brute force. You can you can feel everything and you can treat it a lot more like a like a normal race car. Mm. And then you did um you've done something completely different. You took Callum and you were gonna get him better at, at some racing. Yeah, so how did that go? <laughs> great story Callum's getting a lot of uh, airtime. <laughs> so um so yeah I had this idea um so so the YouTube channel's been growing we've we're building the team here um Callum does um some of the the, the editing does a bit of writing as well uh for the channel really he's a he's a engineering or was an engineering student is a graduate now and uh so I thought it'd be a great idea for the YouTube channel to take someone who loves motorsport but has never really been on track or never been on track at all and show how they can get into motorsport and kind of teach through him, you know, have have content where we, we're training him and, and, and using data and and going on one of our training days and so on. So um, so I gave him uh, the, the idea for the first video was to see if you could buy a decent track car a fun track car for for a grand for a thousand pounds so i gave him a thousand pounds i go go and find a car so obviously we went down the mx5 route he bought a uh, mark one mx5 that was all great i had some stuff to do so he went and and collected the thing (laughs) went went to look at it and it was all great so we bought it and then on the drive home he managed to uh, drive it into a ditch. <laughs> it wasn't a great start to, uh, to, to, to this series. It was a great start. <laughs> <laughs> so unfortunately, the thing yeah, ended up kind of sideways into a ditch. Fair play to Callum. He, uh, he got it out of there, took it home, bought all the bits secondhand, matched all the panels, fixed it himself. So he learned actually quite a lot about putting a car back together. Yeah. Um, changed a few panels on there, a couple of wishbones, um, and got it all kind of did all the geometry again. And so the car's ready to go. So as soon as we kind of come out of this lockdown, we'll get him back on track and uh, we'll get him on track for the first time. 
going to put some belts in it, I think. <laughs> some proper <laughs> belts in it. And uh, we'll get him, yeah, we'll get him on the track then and give him a bit of training. That's, I mean, that is like, it almost, I mean, it's unfortunate. It's, it's not what you particularly want. <laughs> no. But it's, as a story, it's great. Like, this is the starting point. He's went to buy a rear-wheel drive car. Had he ever driven a rear-wheel drive car before? No, he hadn't, no. Okay, no. so... Never and I mean, real- I don't think he'll mind me saying this, but he, he you know, he came out, he, it was... It, was, <laughs> it, it wasn't funny, but also it was funny. He called me up and said, um, so, Scott, I, um, I, was, I was on the way home in the Mazda and uh, I was coming around this corner and, um, uh, um, and I said, Callum... Have you crashed the car? <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah, I've crashed it. It's in a ditch. It's it's, uh, it's pretty bad. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Callum, okay, are you okay? Yeah, he was he was completely fine. Um, so yeah, so he um, it was it was kind of, you know, you you wouldn't write that, but it but it happened, and uh, he I, he 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 was really great about it. And as long as he was, you know, he was he was safe and and not hurt, then then I was fine. Yeah, and the car wasn't a write-off, and it wasn't too bad to repair it. I don't think was it, and and it's like I said, it's a great starting point. Like he's coming from this point of never driven a rear-wheel drive car, he's realised how you need to be careful in a rear-wheel drive car, and so this is a great point to learn and see where further down the goes. line. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I was sorry. What, what I was telling you that about when he called me because he he said he had to swerve to uh, to, to to miss someone who was in the middle of the ride, but I'm not sure. I think he might have had a <laughs> A heavy right foot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. I was looking through, and like your your YouTube videos, are generally, I, I, actually, you, you can correct me on this, but I would say that at the moment that you're trying to find sort of like interesting, slightly en- engineering, general facty type motorsport based things. That is a, a really vague. Stage, but no, like, I mean for... that's basically what it says on our strategy. So you, yeah, you've nailed it. <laughs> Interesting motorsport and find a um, an engineering aspect to explain um, the two things that I love. How do you come uh, up with these ideas? Like, I'll give you an ex- just an example of for the listeners of like one of them was like how to drag the tires accelerate from and then it's something blah 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 to blah blah blah. That's on seven and a half million views sweet yep. that's that's going well that one uh you've got a whole bunch of like racing driver react to which is great um why an f1 piston costs 50 grand um yeah how do you come up with these ideas um i think it's just one of those things when you're in, involved in it um quite a lot you get inspiration from from other areas and um and and and, and as i've this year and callum um he has a lot of input into the ideas for the YouTube channel. As we um, understand more about how YouTube works, rather, it's, uh, you know, how engagement works, how keeping attention works, um, we just make better and better uh, videos. Um, the Dragster one was, you know, it's a, I, I think you said seven and a half million views, which is crazy. That's crazy. Um, that video did very well because it's, a, it's an interesting topic dragsters have a big audience that are interested in them and the 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 visual interest um is fantastic if you look at those tires yeah they're insane you know i i didn't know this stuff before we researched it but for the people who haven't seen the video go and check it out but if you haven't seen it they don't have a gearbox these dragsters and so at the beginning when there's 
when they're not going very quickly, the tires crinkle up, and so it shortens the gear ratio. And then as they get quicker down the run, it expands and balloons. Hold up! What was that? Boring, no flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And so the gear ratio gets longer. It's like, it's just uh, so simple. <laughs> and these are the videos that do well. Something that's very simple and visual to explain uh, have massive broad appeal. Um, the other interesting thing about those dragsters is that they produce 500 kilograms of downforce from the exhausts alone. They have the, the kind of wow. head pointing oh, up. Oh, straight and up. because of all the exhaust gas coming out, it just pushes those rear tyres <laughs> into the track. 500 kilos. It's crazy. Wow, that's tons. Why do more people not ask for other reasons? Well, yes, yes, <laughs> that is that is exactly half a ton. Thank you. <laughs> but no, it looks like well, that, that's and so you've not, you've now got a studio. Yep, uh, we moved into an office slash studio um, in October. I was just trying to increase the quality of the content that we produce because before, I mean, I was doing it all at home. Um, mm. And we we've mo- we've moved house like many times over the last five years. So every time I move house, I've got a, um, because I used to live in Spain. I've moved around a fair bit in my life. So yeah. um, I just wanted a, a space where we've got all of the audio damping. I think it's called. You know, the, yeah. the, as you can see, these squares in the background, and um, and the the quality of the audio and the, the visuals is is much better. And we're we're building the team here, um, which means that. You know, I used to see the YouTube channel as, like I mentioned before, supporting um, the driver training and a kind of nice thing for me to do, but one that didn't particularly drive that much um, revenue for the business. Yeah. And so I would always rush the videos. Um, but as soon as I changed our strategy, um, the views went up, we started getting ad revenue and sponsors. And then as soon as I could, I employed somebody, Callum, to, to help me with that. And now he does all the things that I was probably only doing 50% well. He does them all yeah. properly. And that's where the increase um, in quality for our content has has come from because I just didn't have time. You know, YouTube isn't my only thing. I've got the sim yeah. business. I've got the driver training. And we've, we acquired some um, a software company as well with, with some data logging. Uh, earlier in the year for the sim training mm. um and so we've got we've got loads going on so it was great to have Callum come on board and really kind of take what I had started and, and just make it massively better yeah yeah yeah. I can imagine so much nicer and and it's even and especially now and when we're in this sort of like not really allowed to do that much having a, a dedicated space that's separate from home even me like my office here is, is separate from 
the rest of the house. And um, just even that in itself, I know if I come in here, everything's set up, everything's ready. I don't have to, that was huge. Like having to set up stuff. You waste so much time clearing a room, setting things up, getting stuff ready versus just walking in and being like, record. Yeah, it's so much better. And and then obviously you have the consistency in, in the content as well, the quality of the content. Yeah. When I was setting things up at home, I'd... I rushed it, and sometimes I don't know the you know the microphone wasn't in the right place, and and the audio quality was crap or whatever that might be. Here, it's just it's so much better. So yeah, it's it's great. It's been a really big improvement, actually. Yeah. What would you say have been the things, the key things you've changed in the last, let's say, year and a half that have really helped grow the YouTube channel? If, Appeal if to an, a broader audience um, is the first one. The bigger mm. the audience, the easier it is to get views. We've just done everything better. I mean, I used to just make up the videos as I went along, and now we script them. We write okay. them. We do the research. We go back and edit them two or three times. We create our own animations now. Well, Callum, do you? Callum creates them. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah we, make, we make all of those. And so when you have that better quality it's just more engaging you know we we spend a lot of time in the analytics understanding our own videos and what works and what doesn't and we just head towards what works therefore the retention goes up and that is critical for youtube um we we, we keep our viewers for a good 50 60 percent of the video which is which is good in youtube terms which is why which is why we're growing so quickly i mean if you yes we've got you know 430,000 subscribers now but if you look at our average view count it looks like we're a much bigger channel. You know, our view yeah. can, we're getting 10 million views a month um, last yeah. month, which is crazy, uh, which <laughs> is much, you know, mad. channels with a couple of million subscribers don't don't get that. So um, it's uh, it's crazy. It's crazy. And so now the YouTube is, uh, is a, a part of the business itself. It isn't just supporting the driver training and the sim racing business. It's a, you know, it's a good revenue driver itself. Yeah, which is... Oh, it's great. That's, that's, that's the best encouragement other than obviously everyone watching it and, and loving it is getting a, getting something back for all this effort. But definitely, I like I watch a bunch of your videos, like whatever it is, whether it's like the suspension that's not a spring or the F1 car that runs off, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, yeah, click. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's the, that's the other big learnings. Like the, the topic needs to be interesting itself. If I make a video about... Um, you know how to how um, weight transfer affects grip going into a corner. That's that's one thing. But if I make uh, a video about a Formula One car and, and and a driving technique, and then push into that some of the weight transfer yeah lessons that I want to teach, it works much better. So that's the thing is I try to where I can add in some of my own experience into it, but. It's more we we more rely on it just being interesting because it's it's a lot of fun to be honest with you we love it yeah I imagine it's 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 great and it it really comes it I think it comes through that you love the topic the topic you're very knowledgeable about it and you've like you said you've done the research so even if you weren't knowledgeable at the start you're knowledgeable by the end and yeah everyone is is clearly enjoying it and that's why yeah like you said <laughs> ten million views last month that's that's yeah. insane. It's all going. It's all going very well. So at the, at the moment, presumably, you're not allowed to do any driver training. No, no, we're closed down at the moment. Um, there's a review. Like, so we, we'd also booked in to do our first 
to run our first track day, March the 3rd at Donington, but it's not looking too promising at the moment. There's a, re- a review from the circuits from MSV yeah. um, in the middle of Feb, I think. So we'll, you know, we've, we, we, we're going to see, but it may be that we kind of get pushed down because obviously they, they prioritise their own stuff and racing. So Yeah, that's quite fun, getting all of your, well, anyone, but presumably a lot of people that you've coached all together on track. Yeah, I was trying to, do, trying to do something different and to add some value because if you look at the track days, basically you're renting a circuit and then you're, you're spreading the costs acro- across however many cars you have there. And so aside from the number of cars on track, there's not too much difference between no. all, of, all of the different track days. So what I was trying to do, and it was invitation only, but it was, I, I was trying to kind of prepare people better for their track day so they actually learn something mm. so we were going to have a couple of seminars before like how to you know the secrets of donnington and, and and what you should be looking out for how to reach the limit at this specific circuit what that kind of process and structure looks like and then each driver was going to get um uh, a feedback session from one of our coaches on on their driving before they even got there so they were going to send us they're going to send us their video footage we review it um do an analysis because even in the video footage if you can see the steering wheel you can see the body language of the car and you can very quickly understand what's limiting a driver and then we give them you know three or four bullet points of what they should try and work on during uh, our track day and where they should try these things so that they can actually make some progress forwards because we find a lot of drivers will just go to a track day or a test day and kind of bomb around for for most of the day and not really take any any steps forward so we wanted to try and move people forward and add value that's different to a normal track day yeah yeah definitely oh it sounds sounds like a great idea i've definitely been to track days and every time i'm in a car i think i think it's i don't know whether it's, it's come back from doing other things like skiing or instructing and stuff like that where i can go around let's say a track or a slope a lot of times if i'm trying to improve something because it's it's different every time. If you're trying to work on something, you're getting something out of it. Like, you know, when we're at Brunting Thought, like it doesn't sound on paper like it's that going to be that much fun if you're someone that drives whatever, supercars and things. But you're learning and you're improving and therefore it's fun. And I think a lot of people go to a track day, they blat around for couple of hours and then they're like, you know what, I'm going to go home at lunchtime because I've kind of done everything. Like that's it. And you can't get any more out of it, anything more out of it. Whereas, yeah, I think it's super important to be able to either have someone give you stuff to work on or a combination of building up your own knowledge and being able to try things and yep. sl- a li- little bit extra so you don't end up in a barrier, hopefully. But <laughs> And then be able to push till the end. Because I, I think the best times I've had at track days have normally been in the, the last hour. Yeah. When most people have gone home they're bored potentially their cars are not able to run all day flat out and then it's just empty and then you just you really can like get some going (laughs) yeah exactly and that's i mean that's basically what we what we were trying to do is and what we're trying to do is to give people that progression it's like all sports when you when you see that improvement you enjoy it more and i mean when you look at racing i've been i've been i've been around um coaching amateur drivers for a long time now you see a lot of them will come in after you know driving their Porsche on the road or whatever it might be then do a couple of track days then kind of decide to go racing 
And then they come in and realise that it's much harder than they might have first thought and probably more expensive. And so they come in for a year or two and then there's a bit that, you know, there's quite a big churn rate, drivers disappear and and then go and do something else. And what I want to do with these types of drivers is actually give them the skills so that they are at least close to the pace, they feel competitive and and a lot of the time actually calm them down on how much money they're spending like or try and try to go at a level below where they think they sh- you know where they think they want to go because a lot of the time i don't know you know i think the, the drivers have had this dream of going racing yeah. and they always go and this is probably like buying a house or whatever you always kind of go you always want to go 20% more than, than what you really should yeah. do like anything i suppose and um except racing yeah. is like at the end of the year someone burns your house down yeah yeah exactly and um and so if you go into something cheaper that you can sustain for three four years five or just you know keep on keep on going that's a much better route and a lot of the time when you go into something a bit slower than you might expect it's more fun the racing's better you're not spending as much money you're not so worried about the car you're not stressed during the race weekends and so this is a much better thing and this is what i'm trying to kind of get across to a lot of drivers is Come and do this. Go and do something a bit simpler and a bit cheaper than you might really want to do. Yes, you can get there in a couple of years if you do, but find your feet. You'll learn a lot more in something a bit slower um, because it's easier. You've got more capacity to think about what's going on rather than jumping straight yeah. into a 488 challenge car. Um, and uh, and go and do that. And then when you do jump into something quicker, it'll be easier for you and you'll be much more competitive and then you'll stay in motorsport for, for longer. Yeah, and you won't have... You'll You'll make your mistakes... In some, like, this is something I always said to myself. It's like, okay, do more, much, much, much cheaper racing. And I really enjoy the cheaper racing, like whether it's um, uh, what was it? I can't remember. One of the twenty-four hours in a Citroen, something C two, yeah, C one, C one, C one. That's the one. I think so. Yeah. And like me racing that car is, it's just so much fun, and it's a huge factor of it. Of like the value is just not that much at the end of the day like something goes wrong a tire costs like 20 quid like it just it, a new set of stuff just the consequences are so much less than in something going three times as fast and you break you smash a front end and it's like 20 grand it's like you could race it for two years three years of c1s and then absolutely no I get mean, the crashes out of the way in ideally you don't have any but you know make your mistakes in the cheap stuff yeah, yeah, and I mean, I'm sure the racing in in the uh, in those 24 hours is absolutely fantastic. Oh, it's you know, you it's... must get a massive tow. You're always alongside somebody. You know, you get a good stint in them. I don't know what the stint length is, but you get a good three hours. Hour. Three, okay, three hours. There you go. You get three a tank of fuel. Oh, that's fantastic. Which lasts up to three hours. Which, yeah. By that time, you've done about what 60 miles. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, pushing like whatever it is, three minute forties round spa. <laughs> is that what it is? It's three thirty seven or something like that. Is it? Wow. So they're even they're slower than the funk up cars. Funk up times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, three oh six or something like that. Yeah, and but then yeah. you have the two CVs as well, which are like four th- four something. Okay, yeah, I'm, they might be across the line for me in terms of how slow they are. That's, they can't keep up with the safety car. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think the, the Citroens are at my my limit of. A yeah, lots of lots of lots of fun, and yeah, like, I, and that's it. I think the more I do stuff like that, the more I look at the other things, and I, I still have my radical, and I still drive it occasionally. 
but that's more of like a driver education skills situation at the moment like i probably will race it a little bit but i only want to race it when i'm i feel like i'm really up there pace wise um yeah and it's a gr- i mean they're great cars to go and have a blast in aren't they i mean if you really yeah. want to feel like you're you're taking the most out of a car go to to silverstone grand prix in a in a radical you know it's fantastic yeah but and- um keeping it going for a season and then you know the, the, the racing in the radicals is uh, a little bit challenging at times because you can't get too close in them so um it's quite good to learn your racecraft in in something slower non-aero mm. um, because you're just spending a lot more time around other cars yeah yeah if you've got a hundred cars on track or whatever hilarious amount of cars on track your interactions with a car per lap is is crazy. Whereas if there's 25 on the same track, some people race around, they don't even see another car, which, like, that's not what racing is. <laughs> no, that's just going around. Um, yeah, of course. And, you know, and, and, and with the aero stuff, you, you know, you can't get too close to the cars in front of you, so it makes everything a bit more of a challenge. And when you do, you just have to kind of, you bang, you go for it, and then it's done. Whereas in the slower stuff, you might have a battle for... For a third of a lap or something, it's, it's, yeah, it's yeah, great. Yeah. You really get to understand the ebb and flow of of race, race Have craft. you got any racing lines up at all? Um, so I raced uh, in the the Revolution car. Um, oh right, yeah. How was that? In, I did I did two rounds because uh, they they invited me to go and do it. It's fantastic, great great car, great car. Um, really enjoyed it actually, and it was really good to jump in. And they invited a load of great drivers to to do it. Uh, Carpadia, um, Don's did it. Bradley Ellis did it. Gr- Nigel Greensill did it. Um, some you know good yeah. good level drivers. Um, so it was really good to do. I hadn't done a single driver race for quite a while. I'd always been paired up with uh, with a gent driver. So yeah. it, was gra- it was quite nice to do something um, by myself and really focus on you know having actually. I did a test day and I did the whole test day to myself, <laughs> which hasn't happened for many years (laughs) so um so that it was great i I enjoyed it the cars are um they're pretty heavy but they they're a great car because the window is quite big um so they they're quick i mean they've i think they're 450 brake yeah Um, so for those people that don't know what we're talking about it's um it looks uh, and to to use another car that we just talked about it looks a bit like a radical but ignoring another metric it's it's a sort of small prototype racer wings lots of downs force and it's yeah like you said i think it's 450 horsepower or something 400 something yeah i think so something like that yeah it feels like yeah. it um and they, i mean to be heavy. fair they 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 kind of look do look a bit like a radical but they don't feel much like a radical right. radical super light not too much power and this is a bit heavier with lots of lots of power. So I'd say it's a bit more toward like a P3 car, like a, a smaller okay. version of a P3 car than a big version of a Radical. Um, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed it and um, won 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 a, won a race at Brands. Won the second race at Brands. Came second in the first race. <laughs> this, <laughs> this this was ridiculous. So I. <laughs> It's on Brands Indy. Um, I know Brands Indy very well, as a lot of drivers do, because it's so small and we go there quite a lot. But um, I, I put it on pole and got a good start, got away. And I hadn't been in a car all year. And these things are pretty heavy and they've got power steering. And I yeah. don't really like the power steering. And I think it, 
it could do with a little bit of finesse in this car. You know, it, it, this was the kind of first race for these cars. Mm. Um, and so I had it off or right down. And I got to, you know, at Brands Indy, you don't really get a break. And I got, got yeah. to like lap 10 or lap 12. It was, I think it was 40 lap race. It wasn't, wasn't that long, but I hadn't trained or anything. And I was, I, I was getting tired. Like I could feel <laughs> like my shoulder and my arm okay. going, my chest. And so I go kind of, Carpedia was right behind me. And we'd gone from, from the others. Well, gone. We were probably three or four seconds ahead of the others. But Carpedia was like right behind me. So I was having to keep an eye on him. But I was pretty comfortable. Then came down the, came down the, the start finish rate. Right? And as you know, at Brands Indy, you don't really get much time to do anything else because no. you're always in the corner. It's a bit frantic. So I kind of looked down and because I didn't know the car very well, I was like full <laughs> of knobs everywhere and looked down to find the, the, the power steering and like kind of just whack it up three, three notches. Yeah. And as soon as I got on the brakes to go into paddock and start to turn, and I thought, oh, man, I've made a mistake here because <laughs> it turned in. And I just... I didn't really feel anything yeah. and it turned in and it t- I turned it in too much and kind of just tagged the, had, had a wobble and was like, oh shit, what is going on? And I, I kind of, we came down the dip of, of Paddock and I had a moment, kind of, like the guy behind me must have thinking, what, what on earth is going on? <laughs> so I, I looked back down again to find the, to find the knob yeah. and, and kind of put it back got on the brakes for, for Druids and you know, the, the run up yeah. to Druids isn't very long. So it was all a bit of a, a, a complete yeah. mess to be honest with you <laughs> and got on the brakes and I looked like, looked in the mirror. I couldn't see where he'd gone. And then bang, he was like, he got kind of halfway up alongside me, kind of gave me a little tap yeah. and, uh, got past me. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> absolute. What a stupid mistake. That was a stupid thing. So I should have grinned and bared it to be honest. Um, but <laughs> yeah, but, but you didn't I, know, I, I guess. I, I you was didn't know, so you didn't know. I know, but I should have, you know, I had, I did do a day's testing before. I should have, I should have at least tried it or at least known where the gear knob was. But you know, these things, um, I got invited like two or three days before the the event, and yeah. I just, you know, <laughs> just turned up. Um, so <laughs> yeah, so that that was annoying. Then in the, in the second race, I. Uh, I, I had had a load of food and <laughs> prepared myself and, uh, and um and, and went into the second race and and uh yeah got i started pole again because i had the first quickest time and the second quickest time nice, nice. um in qualifying so i started pole again and and and, and went actually uh alex was behind me but unfortunately he he made a mistake that time and and went off so uh that one was a was a little bit easier Nice. So it was good fun. And then I did Spa as well, actually, um, which was great fun. It was at the WEC race, the World Endurance Championship yeah. race, oh, which was really good fun. And it had a mechanical, um, well, yeah, had a, had a, a small mechanical in, in the first race and then won the second race, which was great. So it started raining at Spa on slicks, and uh, nice. which was <laughs> difficult. Um, but it, it was great fun. Really, really, really good cars. Like I say, the window in them's very big. So for yeah. like a gent driver, which is their target market yeah. for it, it's it's a friendly car to drive. It gives you plenty of warning when it's sliding. So it's, it's quite rewarding to drive. That's quite nice. Yeah, and I think a lot of people drive those cars with a view of like, it's on their sort of road to the Mont type situation. You know, they want to go up to the P3 and then a P2 and then whatever, or a GT car or something. And having something that's a bit friendlier is probably nice, but also resembles, like you said, the cars higher up the food chain. Yeah, exactly. And it's like it's a full carbon tub rather than a space frame. So it's, that's why it's a bit heavier, I think. But yeah, it's it's a definitely a good step if you want to get into P3 or P2. Yeah, I remember looking at it 
when they were starters, they were start, their typical target market is essentially, I think their marketing strategy has been find everyone that has a radical and try and get them to move over. Yeah, I think so. Um, and I remember looking at it and being like, yeah, but carbon tub, if someone taps that tub or those carbon body parts, that's going to be a, a spenny crash. But uh, it looks it looks like fun. Yeah, uh, I don't know the uh, the prices of the excuse me. I don't know the the prices of the of the spares, but uh, yeah, I think it's one hundred and forty. Yeah, plus fat for the for the for the complete car. So they're they're not cheap by any means, but they um they're cheaper than a P three car. Ah, and they're damn quick. Like, yeah, there's nothing yeah. else out there that's much quicker than that. Like no GT three no, cars or anything. Um, they've got lots of good amount of aero and it's a nice kind of like lazy engine as well it's just got loads and loads of torque so it feels great you know you're coming off the corner and it's it's wheel spinning it's, it's, it's yeah, just nice. a, it's just a fun car to drive yeah no that sounds quite fun well i normally wrap these up with five questions but since you've been here before we'll uh we'll we'll chop it down a little bit see if see if anything's changed no i can't remember what you said last time but <laughs> <laughs> five car garage Unlimited value. It's got to fit into your life. You did this last time. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, you know, it might change. <laughs> I'm not you can have race cars. I didn't prep either. Um, I am going to. I'm going to fit it with race cars. I'm not going to. You've do got to have a cars. daily. Okay. Sorry. You've got to have a car to drive to the track. Um, I've got a Passat Estate. Okay. Is that is that okay? Would you change that or would you keep that because it's great? Yeah, it's great. Okay, Does everything cool. that I need it to do. Okay, you've got four uh, race got, cars. It's then. got adaptive cruise control on it. That's all. I mean, if I could have oh, a self-driving yeah. car, I'd do that and just kind of let it drive me to the track. I would love um, actually. I don't have a car with adaptive cruise control, and I would. Oh, I would love that. Yeah, I'm a dad now, so these little conveniences, having yeah. an estate and adaptive cruise control, just feels right. And when you're um, hammering around track, you sorry? just actually, when you're hammering around track regularly, you just want to get home or get there. That's it. Yeah, I just. I mean, it's probably not what your uh your listeners want to hear but i just want to be comfortable and and that's it yeah <laughs> that's fine fair enough me. okay so yeah. you've got four race cars okay four race cars i'm gonna take a uh a 92 benetton f1 car the camel one with the yellow mm. livery i've actually driven one of those um good fun the scariest f1 car that i've driven i think yeah yeah What's Are they so, fun? Um, in a weird way, yeah. <laughs> what's what's so sort of scary or specifically about driving that car? Um, they they've got seven hundred or so horsepower. Yeah, but they don't have the sophistication of of modern cars. The suspension is ridiculously stiff. Their H pattern manual, yeah, gear stick, um. <laughs> They feel dangerous. The cockpit <laughs> finishes here. Your shoulders are pretty much at the top. The guys who drive those were heroes. And they accelerate and stop pretty much as quick as, you know, the, well, not the not the last generation of F1 cars, but before that, the V8s and, yeah. and, and those types, they, 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 they do pretty much the same thing. <laughs> but they are a lot more on a knife edge. So I love those things. Um, I would also maybe like a... A Ferrari P4, mm. something like that. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're good fun. Could do a bit of racing in that. I like the uh, the big power and the lack of grip. Um, it's just a, a lot of fun. Bit of a theme going here. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's two. 
I would also get a T70, I suppose, Lola T70. Yeah. Same same reason. And then I would buy a a funk up car. So that oh no, yeah, can I have two? I'll buy two and I would put one with all my mates in, my non-racing mates. Okay, yeah. And yeah. then I would have one with my <laughs> with my old man and uh and a couple of other people where we might be competitive. So you have <laughs> like a two-tier friendship when it comes to I'll get in a racing car with you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, and then we'd go and do the Spa twenty four hour twenty five hour race, which is probably the most fun you can have. Yeah, um, and just have a laugh there because one hundred twenty cars on the track for twenty five hours is fantastic. I would, I'd love, like I've I've done these these sorts of things with mates, um, and I, it would be so great to have two cars. That would be I can't imagine the amount of fun of having. Well, even actually, a lot of these events, you do know other people in other cars, but you don't necessarily know whether they're driving that car at that time. Um, yeah and like fo- like hooning around with your mates within <laughs> all of this stuff is wicked but i definitely have like you there would be people there's we've got a very a small group that we're like a group of five or four four or five that we will go racing together and we're all similar ish ability done a similar experience and then every now and then i'll get a mate that's not involved who goes oh that looks like wicked fun can i come and do it like, yeah, but you you need to be in a different car. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. So you put all of the the uh, the guys over there who might not be quite so quick, and then you need you need to have a competitive team because you know we we're, we're competitive. Um, yeah, if you want to be competitive, you need some competitive. And if you've got mates that can fulfil that role, then that's that's all good. If you could only drive one car for the rest of your life, I'm going to go with my Passat, son. I'm going to go with my Passat. Sweet. Sweet. <laughs> Well, now also you're getting more invites to drive race cars as time goes on with all this other stuff going on. So exactly, that's one thing about the channel. Actually, we, you know, with with all those subscribers and the views, we've got a little bit of um, I don't know what the right word is. We, you know, we we can we can we can help brands and we can Massively. we can put some eyeballs on them, which is great. So it's quite interesting to see the opportunities that it kind of brings out. And if I ever do want to go racing, I think the YouTube channel will really help me get the the backing to go and do that. It is in the back of my mind to do the touring cars at some point. Mm. Um, I grew up with my dad um, racing in classic touring cars, Lotus Cortinas, against Mustangs and Minis and things like that. And that was a support race at the touring cars in the late 90s and early 2000s. So I was at all of those races. So I remember the, the great battles on track. And there were so many people there. So I have this fond memory of of touring cars. Um, so I think at some point I might try and go and do that. But at the moment, you know, I'm just focused on yeah on growing Driver 61. Definitely. And there's, there's, there's so much scope for that because loads of people who have zero trackability get opportunities to drive cool race cars. And as you, as, like you said, you have all of the experience <laughs> of driving race cars and then you're now building up this other brand around it that... Yeah, I think I think I could see you totally getting drives in all sorts of cool places and all sorts of cool things. Well, fingers crossed. I, 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 I mean, I really would like to 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 jump back into a you know a really really pro car and uh, and go in go and give it some. Yeah, I think we'll look at, watch this space. I guess. Yeah, we'll what? see what happens. Look, look, I mean, it's like there's two. Sorry to to continue That's chatting right. on, but there's there's two things. Like you spend, you know, I spent so much time in my late teens and early twenties trying to find backing you know it was my full-time mm. job uh, to try and go racing 
and it's really, really difficult. And then at some point you have to make the decision to kind of give up on that dream, I suppose. If your dream is Formula One, which it was for me, you've got to go and do something else because you could just carry on looking for money and and never get it. And, you know, some people do, but not that many. And so, um, yeah, I'm always now, it's like I'm not going to spend any time um, chasing sponsorship, which may or may not happen. Um, you're much better off putting the time into a business and growing that and uh, making sure everything else is stable and secure. Yeah, totally. Like, <laughs> like you said, spending all, all that time chasing the the funding to go racing, whereas actually now just carry on doing what you're doing with all of the things and, you know, who knows? You can do some racing when it, as and when you want at the end. Yeah, I've also missed my window for being in Formula One. So yeah, true, you've missed that. So I would love, I would love to go and do like F two or something. The thirty five year old F two driver. <laughs> you're, you're, uh, you could drive an LMP one car. Yeah, I could do. I could do. It's similar to, uh, you know, similar pace to the F one cars that I've driven. But yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe one day we'll see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I think focus on what you're doing at the moment. It sounds like it's going. Sounds like it's going very well. Um, and I've got one more question for you. Most interesting car at the moment? Oh, you? man. Um, what, the road car? Road car, race car? I, well, they're not out yet, but I'm really um, really interested to see what the new regulations do to Formula 1 next year. Um, it's a shame that they got postponed because uh, mm. obviously they were supposed to um, come into action for 2021. But this is obviously, I think it's Liberty's first kind of run at changing the regs to make the racing a bit more interesting a bit closer um so that's the most interesting thing for me um in terms of any cars to be honest because if they manage to make that happen i think it will be really really good for formula one and and motorsport in general um if they can make um the racing a bit more exciting you know you watch the f2 cars and they're they're fantastic um the racing is reasonably close there's a lot of action there yeah most of the time it's better than the the racing is better than the formula one so if they can get formula one to do something similar it will be really really great yeah no it's it's i've i've watched i'm not i'm not being a massive formula one fan throughout my life but i've been watching more and more um and definitely off the back of the netflix series i thought that was just a great way of getting everyone in into some of the people behind it all which is so much more interesting than just well watching a mercedes train every year every week but it's watching some of it this year it has some of it has been good but i just need it needs to be less like oh someone presses a button and then they go past the other person and that just seems so like ridiculous it's like playing a yeah, game it's also than... managed isn't it it's also managed at the moment um you know just depending on the start and then everyone settles into it and just drives their yeah. weights and then you know yeah it's also managed um they need to remove a lot of that if if they can you know, because a lot of the time when you go and watch the the, the other races, the F2 or you know, club motorsport, whatever it is, it's much more exciting than Formula One because there's more there's more variables and there's there's less information there. It's less yeah. kind of engineered, so it's um it kind of throws throws things into the mixer a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just hope that how fast are those cars going to be? Do we know? We've got a prediction of how fast the twenty it's twenty twenty two, isn't it? Those cars are going to be. Yeah. Is it no, like a little um, bit slower? I they're going to be slower, I think. But the speed doesn't matter. You can't see. Like on the TV, these these new breed, new generation of cars, 
don't particularly look much faster than than the other ones. You, I, the, the the speed doesn't doesn't really matter. I think it's the the fact that you know everything's a bit you know the circuits are so flat and perfect. All the curbs are the same. There's so much runoff. Everything's kind of sanitized. So I think then they reacted by making these kind of fairly brutal cars, which we have now. But actually, if they if they made it so that if you did make a mistake, there was there was there's more of an issue. You know, a bit of grass on the outside of the corners yeah, and so on. I understand the, the safety concerns, but you could have a bit of grass and then the tarmac. Um, yeah, if if they did that, then the cars could actually be you know the same speed that they were ten fifteen years ago, and everything's fine. Just we just want some racing. Yeah. We want racing because that's that's the interesting bit. Watching a car go fast, especially on TV, it just doesn't. If it doesn't look fast, and generally a modern car doesn't look that fast because they're not moving around at all, which I think to a lot of viewers says they're not going very fast. Yeah, and you don't unless you go to the track and see them relative to other cars, in which case they are bonkers. You don't. It's it's just sort of academic, really. You're exactly right. Yeah, I mean the the. the- the you know the majority of the F1 cars that I've driven have been from the 90s early 2000s. Those cars, you're you know you're driving like a like a radical, and you know there's a lot of fine adjustment in the steering mm-hmm. wheel. Whereas when you watch them now, the, the modern F1 cars, they're you know just like this. Yeah, that's a combination of the 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 suspension and everything being so good in the cars, and the circuits being so good that they can just be so refined on everything that they are sliding, but just like a tiny yeah. little bit from turn into to exit. Whereas before when it was a bit harder and things were a bit more inconsistent, there's a, you know, there's a lot more going on in the steering wheel. And so they look quicker. There's more mistakes. There's, you know, that that's what, that's what we need. Yeah. And like you said, consequences, not don't want it to be dangerous or anything like that, but just if someone runs two foot wide, they just carry on because there's more track. Whereas if they're, you know, like I said, a bit of grass or whatever, just like something to give them a bit less grip and therefore you can't just drive around the outside and then someone has to tell you you need to slow down. Yeah, no, exactly. I think they should be penalised naturally and penalised fairly significantly um, without being told, like you say, to, to slow down or let somebody back pass. That's just rubbish. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Cool. Well, thanks very much. Thanks very much for coming on the podcast. It's been, it's been good to chat. It sounds like you've been absolutely cracking on since I last saw you. Yeah, cheers, Sam. Thank you very much for having me. Absolute pleasure. And uh, hopefully we can catch up in the future. Yeah, sweet. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowlin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowlin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlinBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.